welcome to The Truth In This Art. I am your host, Rob Lee. And today I have the privilege of being in conversation with uh, two theater artists based in Baltimore City. Their work is dedicated to increasing diversity in classical theater. They're representing fools and madmen. They're the co-creators. Please welcome Josh Thomas and Caitlin Carbone Hernandez. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Rob. Thank you for having us. Oh, you're welcome. Uh, I, I, I worked on that for like five minutes to, to that make was a sure great I intro. That was fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> was high, bro. What? <laughs> well, thank you, thank you. Um, so, uh, big shout out to y'all. I, I, I like this um, just from the research I was doing. One, I'm here for it. I'll just start off by saying that I'm here for it. And two, um, some of them tickets. Uh, let, let's start off with um, a real that, that that kind of that that introduction and tell us the story. Like, pretty much, give us that elevator pitch. Um, you know, from your perspective, chime in as you will. But give us those kind of um, for the listeners that that um, introduce yourselves and that kind of elevator pitch about uh, Fools and Madmen. Sure, I can go first. Let's do it alphabetically. Yeah, let's do it alphabetically. Yeah. Alphabetically. <laughs> Um, so I'm Caitlin Carbone Hernandez. Josh and I both wore lots of hats. We're the co-creators of Fools and Mad Men. Um, we met back in 2013 doing a show at Spotlighters, uh, Romeo and Juliet. We became friends. Um, uh, fast forward a couple of years, we're both individually doing a lot of classical theater work in and around Baltimore. Um, and then one day I just, I texted Josh with this idea hey, would you want to do a hip-hop version of King Lear? And he was like, hell yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's the really short story version <laughs> of it. Um, yeah, and then we applied for a BOPA grant to do yeah. that project. It was just supposed to be a one-time, you know, experimental project. Uh, we got the award, and we we did the show. It was toured to Baltimore City Schools, free for the schools. That was, like, a big part of... Um, of our mission and it still is. Um, but we also did a neighborhood tour after that, performed for some general audiences. We were like, wow, that was that worked really well. Do you want to do it again? And we did it again. And fast forward, now we're um we're about to open our third show, Julius Caesar. For for a second, I thought Josh was gonna chime. It was like, yeah, we met in 2013. Yeah, we became friends in 2020. Um, so so boom. <laughs> it's like you define friendship much different than me. <laughs> but so so Josh, do you have anything to chime in there or you feel like that? No, that was perfect. And well, I got shot. Caitlin is the the Fools of Madman MVP every year. She just like she's coming through like pulling the shit together. Cause right now, also I'm in school. I'm up at I'm up in New York. I'm in grad school at Columbia yeah. for my, for my master's in acting. Caitlin is, is like really has, is, is in Baltimore city doing like, she's, she's really like keeps it together. So uh, mad appreciation for Caitlin, for everything that she does for, to make this thing happen. Shout out to Caitlin. <laughs> um, so can, let's backtrack a little bit. Uh, tell us about your your earliest experiences um, in theater, and was there like any specific catalyst that was like, all right, you know what, I need to do this. I need to have this play on theater and bring this to Baltimore. Ultimately, tying to the mission. Um. So I guess for like you, you mean like like my first experiences ever in theater, or like. Yeah, it could be like on stage. It could be going to a going to a show. You know, it could be like, yo, I heard about this thing. I didn't go yet, and now I went. <laughs> yo, for okay, 
So this is why, like, public school arts is very important. Like, like when I was, I had to be like, I'm from Mississippi, yo. So I went to Hattiesburg High School. Shout out to my hometown, Hattiesburg. And we, um, we, we were like fourth grade and they brought us to this, um, to this play. It had to be a really track, like my bad, but it had to be a really, you know, bad little production of some, some high schoolers, maybe probably middle schoolers doing, doing, uh, Greece. And I was in the fourth grade and I was like, you know what? Dang, I really think I could do that. That seems cool. And then, but I didn't really do it. I was a foot, I was playing football and stuff like that. And, um, you know, 10th grade, my friends were doing speech and debate and they were like, yo, you should do it. So I came through and started doing that. And that's where I got into the theater. So like 10th grade, my first play was that you can't ever change your first play. Mm-hmm. My first play was high school musical. <laughs> you can't undo that. You can't like switch it up. Nah, that was my first damn play. You could have been and a I was kid. In, yeah, I was like, yo. <laughs> I was in the chorus, so like you know, and um, and it was good, you know. I I wanted to um, and then I just had a theater teacher who like you know I started doing straight plays after that, which are just plays with plays that are musicals called straight plays, and I just like you know, I I had a teacher who who just told me like yo you could really do this like as a profession. And I, I mean, I was kind of, you know, in some ways I was pretty aimless as a kid. You know, I didn't know what I was trying to do, you know, all that. So she just she just gave me that. And I was like, you know, bet. I, I, all right, I'm doing it. And so I went to, you know, undergrad for it. Now I'm in grad school for it. But and I did public school uh, orchestra starting in the fifth grade. I played cello through senior year of high school. Then I picked up electric bass and I picked up keyboard with scott johnson my, my my jazz band teacher who plays with marsalis now like he's he's crazy he lives in new orleans he's dope like he he played on the ma rainey um uh soundtrack and stuff he's crazy and he Fire. uh yeah it's wild so man i learned music that way and you know i um and that's how i was able to kind of mix the two and to to write the music for fools and madmen but you know, shout out to public school arts, man. That shit is very important and it's underfunded, especially nowadays. Absolutely. Yeah, I would agree. Um, <laughs> for me, I feel like I was always kind of doing it for fun around the house with my siblings, like making my brother and I would just like film scenes and sketches and cooking shows and we would like do improv for an audience of no one. <laughs> nice just generally being obnoxious i'm sure um but yeah we i feel like that i was really interested in it because it was just like the way that i played as a kid um but definitely didn't have anybody in my life that was involved in theater um yeah yeah public school drama class for sure and then um i really feel like shakespeare was my entry point into really loving um theater performance as an art form. I had a really good, I actually went to like a camp once and I had a really great director and teacher. Um, And yeah, I just like lit my brain up. I I think at the time too, I was really into poetry and writing. I kind of wanted to be a writer um, or an actor. And so Shakespeare filled both of those things. And just the idea that like 
it, it is poetry. So it gives you so much to, to play with and pull from. And for me, I love the structure of it. You learn the rules, you can break the rules. You know, I, it, to me, it was like a jungle gym that I could play in with language kind of a thing. Um, so yeah, I, I really did continue like centering um, Shakespeare as it, in my study of theater and work in theater after that. Thank you. Yeah, it's great. It's great to hear that. Thank you for sharing that. So now we're about to peel the onion back a little bit and hear about my weirdness, um, but it, it, it connects. It connects. It makes sense. So I once did a song a la DJ Clue in the character of Macbeth. It was called Murder Mac. And I was trying to, I was trying my damnedest to impress a girl wow. in like an advanced writing class. And uh, there may have been a, a Beowulf diss track later. I don't know. I don't remember. I, it's, it's lost <laughs> in the ether. Um, and I could see how like, you know, Shakespeare, Shakespeare could be hip hop. And uh, I was just kind of seeing those connections like earlier, what have you. Could you like share the thinking in like taking something that is classic, like you think of theater, you think of Shakespeare specifically, you're like, no, that's not contemporary, right? Um, so what was the thinking that having something that isn't considered contemporary and applying it to something that's more contemporary, like like hip hop? Um, and there's a part B, but I'll let you start off with that part. Um, go ahead, Josh. Yeah. Oh, well, when, Kate, when we was back in 2013, we were like, you know, let's do something with hip hop and Shakespeare. And we didn't know what it was going to be. And then, you know, a few years later, she was like, yo, let's do something with hip-hop and Lear. And I was like, bad. And I think, like, the, you know, we we always, we, Kayla and I had talked a lot about, you know, the, the, the convergence of the two, like, the poetry in both of them and, like, the, the, uh, the way that they both, like, the, the way they could intertwine, the way they use similar tools, like, like I'm not even no like a English nerd, but in school we we do use these tools. Like the tools that we learn in school is the same things that they use in in uh, in Shakespeare and then that Shakespeare uses and in and also in hip hop, which is like alliteration, consonants, mm-hmm. uh, repetition, those types of things. Like it's the same things that people use, and so like we knew that there was an inherent link in the the use of language. Um, and so coming through, like, it was like, okay, how do we, how do we, because I wanted, we wanted to, we always wanted to honor the original text as well as the, the hip hop. So we never wanted to take it out, to take the original text out. We always wanted to honor that. So we wanted them to live side by side. And so um, I, uh, so, so when writing it, it was like, okay, we sat down and just was like, all right. I guess this is how I see it. Like, it took me a minute to write the first song, which I never even used. The first song that I wrote of it, I never even, it was, it ended up being trash. But like, I was like, okay, that's how we start. That's how we start this thing. And um, yeah, I went back with Caitlin and was like, okay, I'm thinking we put us, we would take parts of the, the text and I would translate it into hip hop songs. Mm. Just take parts of the text and be like, okay, if this was a hip hop song, what would that look like? The dialogue between the two people, how would they say this in a way that's hip hop? And so I went through and did that and, and put the music to it. And uh, that's kind of how we got it. Like, and then I would say it's probably like 65% original text, 35% hip hop songs. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, we're definitely not the first people to connect Shakespeare and hip hop. I think it's been used as a classroom tool for a while. Mm-hmm. And we were aware of that. And yeah, like Josh was saying, we were developing like workshop curriculums as, again, as tools to use in the classroom to teach students how to engage with Shakespeare and make it modern. But we were really interested in the idea of like, could this be a performance though? Can we translate this into an actual production? Um, and yeah, I mean, I had, when we, the original idea, I, I didn't have a clear picture of, of what it was going to like look or flow like Josh really came up with the format that we, of the shows that we still use today in our writing process. For, for a second there, I was looking this up cause I couldn't help it. I was thinking of that, uh, Joseph DeCroix <laughs> meme. It's this, the meme where it's this like, like classic, like portrait painting and the guy's like doing this point and they have to, tra- <laughs> they have any like current like lexicon. It It's really funny to me. So it's this French dude and it's like, Oh, Okay, I can see that. <laughs> I can see that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Cool, cool teachers have been, you know, letting their students rap Shakespeare, I think, for for a minute. But we, yeah. we can't take credit for, connect, for, you know, coming up with that idea. But we definitely wanted to see it on stage. And when we do it, like, Kaylin actually, so Kaylin, Kaylin cuts the script and I do the, the songs. And so when Kaylin's cutting the scripts, he's really good at Ace is really good at cutting the scripts and concising the characters. Because it'd be mad characters in these plays. So she's able to cut it down. We have like, you know, nine characters in the, the, the last I think two plays we've done. And she uh she also is able to bring out themes that we want to bring out that are relevant to today. So she'll bring out in the in the, the cuts that she does the themes and we'll talk about themes that we want to highlight and things we want to talk about through the play. And uh, yeah, Caitlin does a good job of, of cutting that script down to about 80 minutes, hour 20 um, is about where we like it to sit. And um, yeah, and then I, I take the cut and I then go through and make the songs. Look, I love to hear that, that collaboration, how that comes together. And it's like, this is in my shop. I'm going to trim this down and make this work. Now let me score this real quick. Let me have some, some music go along with it. Yeah, it's true. It's true. It's like the script. We start off with like the script as like a big piece of clay. And then I kind of mold it and then I give it to Josh and he paints it. I don't know what the analogy is, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Most times I really don't even read. I will. I mean, I have read the plays in the past, but like when we're working on it, I don't read it while she's cutting it. I just take her cut. Yeah. And, and, and that also goes with this this idea of like, you know, you're, you're, you're trusting who you're working with. And I think, you know, collaboratively and working together, that's really important. And it's just like, look, I, you know, not only you get to a spot where you respect who you're working with, you trust their their talent, but also you're like, I don't need to take a look at it. I just need to do this piece of it. The, you know, the hard work is done. You know, you've done that piece and I trust in that. Now I can move in and just, you know, get this NPC ready and do <laughs> do my thing. Um, so this, this is, um, let's see. So you were talking about maybe some of the subject matter a little bit. I think you touched on that a a bit there. Um, so let's talk about the, the impact around it or have you like with the work that you're doing, like speak on the impact of the work that you're doing. And do you feel that it could have the same impact if done in a different style? If it wasn't Shakespeare, if it wasn't hip hop, like how would that work? Like maybe is it Shakespeare and jazz? Is it, you know, like funk and, and, and something else? So, so tell me about that a little bit. 
if you want to start, Josh, that's, that's, yeah. Okay. I, um, well, I think I, um, the, the way that we, I, I really like jazz. Cause that's I actually, before I went to school for, for acting, uh, in my undergrad, I was going to go to school for jazz on bass. And, um, I ended up going to school for theater for acting, but, but I love jazz. And so we, um, I use mostly jazz chords in the, in the songs when I'm writing, they got to have jazz chords in them. So, um, and, and eventually I would like for us to have a trumpet to play riffs on top of stuff too. Um, but hip hop has always been, has always been, um, very jazz, um, jazz, the bass of it comes from jazz anyway. A lot of beats is very jazz inspired. Um, a lot of samples are straight jazz samples, especially in the boom bap era and like all those beats and stuff like that. And a lot of the chords they use nowadays is really jazz chords too. Um, a lot of the musicians that they use are jazz musicians and church musicians. So it's really, it's all such a dope, like intersection um, with the music there. Um, but you were asking what, what other ways we could, we could see it converging. Yeah. So in, in terms of like, do you feel that it like, on the the mission like there's diversity baked into it that's you know various things that are based into what the work is do you feel it would like hit in the same way if it may not have been hip-hop or if it may not have been hip-hop with like shakespeare if you were to change one of those elements do you feel it would hit the same way with the messaging you know i think i think there are things that could be done that would be that'll be interesting like I mean, hip hop and theater is a thing that's been around for a little bit. The um, the most popular one recently probably would be like um, would be Hamilton. But um, so there's there's things that that pop off with hip hop and theater in general. Or um, let me think, like theater, like musical theater. There's, I mean, Dreamgirls is really just straight up R and B and 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 theater. Which yep. is dope. That's one of my favorite musicals, just because the music is there is incredible. But um, but yeah, I would like to see more jazz in theater. I would like to see more jazz in theater, more um, also more R and B in theater, and I would like to see more like modern R and B in theater, and more like more like trap in theater, more like you know more modern hip hop and stuff in in theater. It's I think I would want like. Maybe looking ahead, I want to add because right now, fools and Ma- like the way I write it, the music is is more like traditional rap because you got to get so many words out to tell mm-hmm. the story. Yeah. That's the best format for it. But I would like to see more like you know more melodic rap, which is where you know the the in, the the scene is going now, more melodic type of stuff. Um, but the the hip hop and Shakespeare, it's just something about it, man. It's just something about it that goes so good <laughs> together. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think, I think anybody could use any other kind of music Mm -hmm. to carry these stories through. Like I said, like I said, it's poetry. And so I don't like somebody could probably do like a heavy metal version or something like, right. Like isn't heavy metal like, um, classical in a lot of ways at their roots. Anyway. So, you know, there are ideas there, but yeah, for our mission is to combat, racial disparity in classical theater. And we do that by changing the voices of the people telling the stories, not just through simply representation on stage. Um, 
but through, yeah, like holistically, like what's the cultural lens through which we're telling the story. And I think rap works really well for that. Hip hop works really well for that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so let's see, uh, no, no, this one, I, this, so, you know, I've been doing some traveling recently. So with it, I find that I have times when I'm bored and when I'm bored, I'm not really bored. I'm kind of just like, all right, I got some questions here, especially if I'm listening to like an audio book. I've been doing that deep dive, that Austin Cleon deep dive. And one of the questions that came out of this, um, actually the next two that came out of this, uh, is, is one, one the, the first one is this one. Uh, not every idea is a winner. Um, so how do you know when to cut bait on something? It's like, this isn't working creatively. Uh, we got to maybe change the way that we're going to approach this. Tell me about that when you're like trying to pivot as you're building something out, like, do you cut bait completely? Do you just say like, like we got to do this another time. We got to bring another person in, you know, the, the guy that's playing the tree is not cooperating. Now that's no tree in your place, but still. <laughs> yeah, we've done that once or twice. We've had concept ideas for plays that we feel like we just don't have the expertise to do right now or the the collab we, we really want to collaborate with more people um uh yes and yeah we've, we've <laughs> dropped a couple of ideas and also like the the plays that we write we are new things and so during the rehearsal process we are constantly changing the script like yeah. shout out to our actors they're amazing <laughs> we're <laughs> constantly like realizing that something doesn't make sense we need to change something we need to cut more stuff add stuff josh is like writing new poems for the show like today like last week you know we open release like we're just it's a new it's a new thing. And so it really is a living, breathing thing. We're, we're working through it as we're rehearsing it. It's great. Yeah. Like, I mean, the first song I ever wrote for Lear was a no. <laughs> I didn't I that, Josh. Yeah. You still I have it? I don't know, Caitlin. I don't even know if I recorded. Like, I don't even know if I ever showed Caitlin that. But it was like, that's the song that I spent the most time out of any song that I've ever written for, the, for this stuff. And that's the one that was like, nah, that ain't, <laughs> it's not <Dang> going. It. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we, 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 I mean, we pick up and, and drop off, you know, as much as we need to, whenever we need to. Let's, let's do that lost tapes sort of thing. It's like, look, man, this didn't make it, but also I still recorded it though. So <laughs> but yeah, I, I, you know, with, with this, um, there are instances either, for the guest's benefit or for like what the show is because sometimes people come on and they say things that are like this is not going to help you this is not going to help your career at all it's like you should not have said that at all it's like i'm just going to trim it and then they'll <laughs> ask for it and they're like yo can we get that whole thing i was like nah you basically <laughs> a conspiracy theorist you can't can't do that and, you know you're like everything is fake the moon landing was fake i was like you can't say that <laughs> oh my god These people are wild <laughs> yes yeah, straight up so, yeah. I, so I think in being in that spot of, again, it goes to trust. Again, it goes to like just knowing what the vision is. And, you know, it seems like the two of you from what I've heard so far, not even it seems, it's clear that the two of you, you know, have a strong vision of what you're aiming for while being able to recognize it's a living, breathing thing. And I think that's the sweet spot of oh, yeah. like you're always tweaking. Like in doing this, I... Sometimes I tell people like, look, only listen to anything from the last 25. Don't, don't go back to like, <laughs> you don't listen to those. I was like, 
Mm, uh, questions weren't great. Um, but yeah, always trying to progress and say, okay, what am I at? Where am I at in 2020, 20, in 2022 versus in 2019? Um, as, as a interviewer, where am I at, you know, in starting this in 2009, this, this podcast journey overall, where am I at from there now to, to, to here? And, how does that work? What does that look like? And um, so, yeah, I think that's a big thing to always be editing, always be looking at where do I want this to go and how does this interest me? Why does this interest me? Definitely. And then anchoring yourself in, like you said, the vision that you have so that you know, you know, you're not afraid to cut stuff or to cut and run or crumble up a piece of paper. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah, almost, almost like, you know, getting to the spot where I joke about this often that I want to have big scoff, tiny glasses and just start commenting <laughs> on things. <laughs> I know what's good. It's like, all right, calm down. Less, less of you <laughs> art Lord. Uh, so I got two more questions before I get to those rapid fire ones. Um, this is another Austin Cleon, uh, influence question. Um, so I've heard several artists of various disciplines describe copying or stealing or AKA being influenced. Um, who do you steal from? Like, you know, in terms of, you know, whether it's theater, whether it's music and writing, what have you, who do you steal from? And like, I guess, what do you steal? How do you know what to steal in that regard? And people get caught on the word steal. I know. And that's, and I say it. No, I think that's absolutely a thing that people do. And I, I think it's fine. Yeah. I mean, every, like, a style wouldn't be a style if it wasn't influenced by, you know, everybody gets their style from some influences. So, like, I mean, I listen to a lot of, like, I mean, for me, like, for this specific thing, I mean, I like, I mean, I like a lot of, I listen to a lot of Kanye stuff, old stuff and new stuff. He's problematic as hell. So Uh, let's not get that twisted. I can't stand his politics but like he um but you know his sound has been you know this is even before he started getting wild on his hot takes and stuff but like his sound has been wild like i remember when i was in ninth grade and college dropout came out i was like yo i got that mug on bootleg i had and i knew i could for seven dollars from the homie and i knew i couldn't uh get the cussing one he was like yo, i got the edit and unedited i was like yo my mom gonna kill me if I get that unedited. Joint, so let me get the edit. <laughs> but uh, but uh, it was great. You know, I, I listened to a lot of that through my life. I mean, a lot of Kendrick, of course. You know, um, Drake. Drake sound is. Um, I mean, people rag on Drake, but Drake is a, is like he probably like him and Beyonce own streaming. So like, I mean, yeah. you know, his sound is gonna is gonna be pervasive through everything. And as far as like what fits this. What fits the sound, the the what rap styles fit what I fit what we need to get the story out in words. Those for sure. I mean, Joey Bad. I listen to a lot of Joey Badass. Um, yeah. I like, yeah, Joey Bad is dope, especially his older stuff. You know, a lot of. I, I mean, it's hard to even even go through like. I, I mean, without I mean Jay Z, of course. Like, I mean, all of the time, like. It's hard to go through just a list. It, it would just be my list. Like, it would just be my hip-hop list. But specifically for this, I think uh, probably, yeah, probably because of the way that they rap is what is the, is the in my mind, is the, the best way to get this, this story out in the most interesting way, in the most efficient way. Mm-hmm. 
probably probably those. I mean, I'm looking at like now too, like little baby, little Dirk. Like I'm looking at like you know, uh, Uzi. Like just for like these the the more melodic sounds yeah. that I'm interested in in the future, because they get a lot of text in with with the melody too. But but um, especially little baby. But um. But yeah, little baby, not to be confused with the baby who I don't fuck with. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, but yeah, that's what that's where I'm at. I think right now. Thank you. Um. So, like conceptually, I think the Hip Hop Shakespeare Company in England is doing this work, mm-hmm. and we had heard about them early on. I think that's part of what went into the concept idea for for doing this work in the first place. So I definitely feel like we, we stole from them. (laughs) Uh, I've actually never, I've never seen their work. I don't actually know like the, how their shows work, but just the fact that it seemed like they were doing Shakespeare through hip hop as performance and not just a tool in the classroom. I think we were like, Oh, okay, it can be done. Let's, let's, let's do that. And that I feel like, well, in the adaptations, I feel like I steal from memes in a weird way. <laughs> I feel because like Josh said, we, I always want to be like um, pulling something out of the script that's already there, but just pulling it out and highlighting it. Mm-hmm. But something that really resonates with like what we're all going through right now. Cause I like, you know what I mean? Like when a song comes out, and you're like, it, it's like right on time. It's like right exactly what you and all your friends needed to hear in that moment. And yeah. you're like, how did this artist know? Like, that's my favorite kind of content where like when artists just like really tap into these like cultural things that we're all kind of going through and put that in their work, um, that like lights my brain up. And so sometimes it's politics, sometimes it's um, social movement stuff. Um, but and yeah, I feel like memes are are really good, like uh, the indicator of, yeah, of a yeah. lot of that stuff. So I feel like that's a weird thing to say, but I think it's true. Yeah, I, I think it definitely um, it's it's kind of where we're at. I mean, if you're of a certain age, uh, it, it definitely has some overlap. But if you're a certain age, it's like if you're not tapped into what's popping in meme land, you are behind. And uh, yeah, the one meme to control them all. Um, so. With that, that's kind of the end of the real questions. Now it's time to get to some rapid fire questions. Um, so you want to answer these as quickly as possible. We're going to tit, tit for tat kind of thing. Um, and they're all over the place, just so you know. Um, favorite movie? Oh, God. Uh, Lord of the Rings. Godfather. Those are very different movies. Wow, <laughs> this is great. Uh, salty or sweet? Sweet. Sweet. Okay. All right. We got some some connection there. I like that. Uh, uh, hmm. What is more emotionally taxing? The DMV or TSA? The DMV. DMV. <laughs> All right. All right. Fair enough. And we're not talking about this fake region that, you know, I might be in and that Caitlin might be in. We're actually talking about the motor vehicles. Uh, um, so lastly, um, 
well, actually not last penultimate. Uh, what are what are three elements um, of, of good theater like that, that ultimately you're trying to accomplish when you're like, let's you know, this is a production. Let's let's make this happen. What are three elements that you're you're aiming for in your work? I'll say specificity. Yeah, that out really smoothly. <laughs> oh, is this rapid fire still? I mean? it's, still it's still rapid fire. Yeah. All right. Specificity, relevance, um, vibrance. Uh, BIPOC and queer representation, hype, and get the audience going okay. and involved. Okay. Audience engagement. I love it. Uh, now, this is technically not a rapid fire one, but it's an invitation, if you will. What's next? What's coming up? Yes, yeah, almost like a shameless plug time, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, we're we have a lot of ideas about our next show. Uh, we've wanted to do Midsummer for a long time. We've wanted to do Macbeth, um, Romeo and Juliet. Seems obviously it's on our list as well. I don't know if we know yet. Do we know, Josh? No, we haven't chosen. I think um, our next one, but we got. We got what Caesar coming up mm-hmm. is the one that we got on that opens next week. Um, we open on the eighth of July, Friday, and we run Friday, Saturday, Sunday, the eighth through the tenth, and then we we run um, that next weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, the fifteenth through the seventeenth, and uh, you can find those dates on our Facebook page and Instagram page with Fools and Mad Men. So anybody who wants to come through, we try to do affordable tickets, y'all. We got fifteen dollars tickets and ten dollar um, artist tickets. So y'all come through and see what see what it's about. Like we're gonna get y'all hype. We're gonna have a good time. We're gonna tell the story of Julius Caesar and uh, all of the people who uh, came through with with Julius Caesar. It's gonna be a good time, and we're gonna keep trying to come with fire every time we come. I love, I, I love to hear it. Yeah. It is an amazing show, honestly. It, it is, it's really good. Mary Andrea Travis is the director and she's done an amazing job and the actors are all incredible. The musicians are incredible. It's great. Yeah, yeah. Love, love to hear it. Um, so I think that's where, I think that's where we'll stop at right there. So, uh, so now we can actually kind of backdoor into the second part of uh, Shameless Plugs or what have you. So um yeah. Um, so one, I want to thank you both for coming on to this podcast. And two, I want to invite and encourage you to telephone folks again, website, social media, and again, plug Julius Caesar yet again. Where can they, where is, where it's going to be at, things like that. So people can put it on their calendars, get ready to pull up. Yeah, pull through the motor house on our days, the motor house on North Ave. Y'all know where it's at. Y'all know what it is. Y'all know what time it is every time we come through. Fools and madmen, you know what time it is, baby. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and uh, any social media website or anything you want to shout out? Yeah, we're on um, Instagram at fools underscore and underscore madmen in uh, Facebook fools and madmen. And then our uh, website is fools and org. So there you have it folks. I want to again, thank Caitlin and Josh from Fools and Madmen for coming on to the podcast. And I'm Rob Lee saying that there is art in and around Baltimore. You just got to look for it.